I was a young man who went to a public school. There was no Catholic school within 30 miles of us. Uh, but uh, that meant we went to religious ed. And it was in sixth grade religious ed where I learned about the word purgatory. Now, had you asked me in fifth grade, what is purgatory? I would have said, I think it's a German word. And I would have told you that because mom had little things she called all of us, right? And a lot of it was connected to German, but my nickname was Purgatory. <laughs> uh, my sister's here. Where'd she go? She'll back me up on this. There she is. Uh, and I thought it was some cute little German word for, you know, my son. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> This is not a homily about purgatory. Uh, it's actually about the names and, and the, our labels for ourselves, and, and how God sees us. And if I were to ask you, if God were to describe you, how would he do it? Yeah? What would that sound like? And if, you know, to me it would be, well, he's a sinner, but he, you know, he's trying. You know, and I'd be like, woohoo, that's victory uh, for me. That's not it, because we know how Jesus sees us. We know it. It's right here. Quote, you are salt of the earth. That's God talking to you. Like, he looks at you, and he says, ah, oh, you're salt of the earth. Really? And then he takes it up a notch. You're a light in the world. Now, he does not say, and I quadruple checked, he doesn't say, you can be salt of the earth. You should be. If you do this, you will be. No, by your very nature, God looks at you and says, ah, oh, you are a light to the world. Can you believe that? It's really a powerful thing to think about. Again, had Jesus got up and said, look, you're awful, but I love you. I'd get that. I would. I'd be like, well, thank you. I'll take it. No, no, no. There is something about us that defines us to Jesus that supersedes our performances. How well we do. He looks at you and says, mm, you're a salt. You are salt of the earth. And now, Jesus, help you people. We're going to talk about salt. And, I, and it's going to get bad. And I'm, this is a lot of discipline for me. I achieved a status of geek slash loser that most of you never will. I read a book about the history of salt. I know, isn't that tragic? This is, this is a side effect, I think, of priesthood. But um, salt's huge. You know, if you look at the history of the world... And you look at the history of Western civilization, if we are in fact civilized, and so much of it rises and falls on Rome, doesn't it? And if you look, what made this tiny little city rise up and conquer basically the known world? No one will disagree with me on this, no historian. Salt. They had access to salt. Nobody else around them did. So they traded and they got rich. Salt was of epic importance in the time of Jesus. And that's the first thing he's telling you when he says you're salt of the earth. He's saying we would be lost without you. 
Society could not function without salt in the time of Jesus. There were no refrigerators, right? There, were no, uh, there was no Tupperware. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there was none of that stuff. So how did it work? For all of human history, to that point, it worked like this. In the spring, you planted, right? And then after you planted, you went out and fought in whatever war your king dragged you into, and then you got back and harvested. And then you took that harvest and you tried to stretch it out until the next harvest. And people starved to death between our months of December and April at a rate that would astound you. That was how life was until somebody figured out salt. That salt's a great preservative. Salt preserves goodness. And that's the second thing he's saying when he looks at you and says, ah, you're salt of the earth. He's saying, you preserve goodness. And, and that's not just what we are, that's what we are to do. We're to preserve the goodness that God put inside us. We're to strive for a kind of innocence that is defining of us. The third thing that salt does is flavors people's lives. It flavors food. Salt tastes good, right? That's a scientific statement. Salt flavors, and we flavor the world. Right? Your personality, your gifts, and your talents, our society would reduce that to some kind of almost automatic response to our environment. Not God, he, your personality, your gifts and your talents, that was a specific action on his part so that you could flavor people's lives, so that you could flavor the world around you. You are beautiful and irreplaceable such that God looks at you, ah, oh, you're salt of the earth. This is who you are. And Jesus even takes it a step further, quote, if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? The answer is garlic. I'm just kidding. I, uh, <laughs> when I worked at MSU, I wrote the head of the uh, chemistry department who was Catholic, praise God, and I said, tell me how salt can lose its flavor. And I still have the email, and I won't read it to you because you would kill me, but he says the first line, salt can't lose its flavor. And then he went down and broke down way too much information for a redneck. Uh, but he said, for salt to lose its flavor, you have to add chemicals to make it not salt. Salt can't lose its flavor. If it loses its flavor, it's not salt anymore. This status you have in the eyes of God, you can't lose it. You can't. There's not a point where God's going to look at you and go, well, you used to be salt of the earth. Now you're some form of pepper. Sorry, third time giving this homily. Your status in the eyes of God cannot change, and I pray you rejoice in it. I do. I pray that every once in a while when you start to get down on yourself, when you maybe get frustrated with your performance as a, a person who strives to love Jesus, 
I hope that you stop and say, I'm salt of the earth. I hope that when you're sitting at home or, or when you hear of a need, that when you're tempted to say, ah, someone else can do it. Or I'm going to take care of me today. Or I need a nap or whatever. Now, naps are holy. I'm not down in naps. But I hope you remember, no, no, I'm salt of the earth. I need to preserve goodness. I need to flavor lives. I need to use who I am to better the world around me. When you and I do this, we will find happiness. I'm serious. If we live for ourselves, A, we'll be like everybody else, but B, we will be unhappy. If we live for God and others, it's a game changer. It becomes addictive. I don't know if you, uh, let me grab it here. If anyone here has any wounds, right, any injuries, be it spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, whatever, if you have those and you wish you didn't anymore, well, it turns out by being salt for the world, those wounds get healed. This is from our, our first reading, which is one of my favorites. It gives me so much hope because I got to keep in my head, God isn't guessing here. <laughs> God isn't giving his opinion. He's telling the truth and here's what he says. Ready? Are you ready? Eight o'clock was not ready. I almost, I, I'm serious. I was like, Jesus, put caffeine in them, but uh, he didn't. Thus says the Lord, share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. Do not turn your back on your own. Then your light will shine like the sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. It turns out when we act like God made us to act, it does something to all that scar tissue we've accumulated over life. It turns out there is a power to living like we were created to live. A healing power. And I've seen it. I've experienced it. God doesn't tell us, right? I, I, I think I said this. He doesn't say you can be a light for the world. You should be a light for the world. You might want to strive to be a light of the world. He says you are. And the same thing about us being salt. And in the same way, share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the homeless and the oppressed. Clothe the naked when you see them and your wounds will be quickly healed. You will shine like the sun. Now, how do we do that? Well, I know it's always tempting and I get it, oh my gosh, to give money to the people who ask on the street or even here. I know that's tempting because that's easy. We have money. But that doesn't solve the problem, and we don't know where that money's going. There is a possibility, and I do this anytime I'm asked if I can, I say, I'll take you over the rectory right now and make you breakfast. Right? If they say no, just give me money, then we know that's not about food, yes? But we do this here, and I, I feel like it's important for me to tell you what's being done in your name. And by your generosity. That right over here, 
we have our place where we work to take care of the poor. I call it the food pantry. No one else does. I can't remember what we call it. I think we call it outreach. Thank you. Our outreach. And that name's going to change again just because we don't want to make it easy on anyone. (laughs) Sorry. You know, there are people, and I mean this, who this morning got up and because of you had heat. We pay heating bills, guys. We do our research. We make sure we're doing this right. We're not getting scammed. But you know that, that because of you, people woke up this morning and they weren't almost dying from the cold. There's people today who are going to eat because of you. It might, not, it might just be one meal, but that's more than zero. There are people who would have the uh, clothes that, that won't keep them warm. They got them. We took care of it because of you. It's almost $5,000 a month we give out just in food. Or I'm sorry, not in food, just in rent, electricity, water bills. These are not to buy another iPhone. This is to survive. And we can do it because of you. And then you take the, the, the rest of that, and that doesn't even count the food and the clothes we hand out. Because one thing middle-class Americans seem to have is clothes. Yes? Holy Lord. There is so much need out there, and every time you sacrifice, it changes things. Your light shines so bright. I have been, this is my, uh, this is my 11th parish, St. Mark's is my 12th. And I've seen some beautiful things. I've been in parishes where most of the congregation was completely dependent on aid, on help. Very poor, hardworking congregations, but very poor. I've been in congregations where, frankly, there was so much money out there, you could tell people didn't know what to do with it. And there was some efforts for the poor. I've never seen anything like this. And I, I honor you with all my heart. There's so much to say, and I don't want to do that to you, so I'm going to wrap it up. But I'm going to ask that this week you remember who you are, that you do not embarrass God. You do not frustrate God. He is crazy about you. And when he looks at you, he says, oh, you're salt for the earth. When he looks at you, he says, man, you're a light in the world. And the more you and I understand it, the more we will be tempted to act in accordance with it. To really preserve goodness. To really flavor the world around us. To really reach out to all of those in need. And if we can't do it out of love, do it because he said to. And when we do this, he promises we will shine like the sun and our wounds will be quickly healed. So may God bless our efforts, hey? To be who he sees us as. Because whatever our opinion of ourselves or others, God is the one who's right. Amen? Amen? Okay.